some listener emails and a draw for a monocular telescope on episode 359 of the Actual Astronomy Podcast. I'm Chris and joining me is Shane. We are amateur astronomers who love looking up the night sky and this podcast is for everybody who likes going out under the stars. So Shane, as I was telling you, we're recording this in front of a very small but live studio audience this morning. Yeah, yeah. First time for everything. Yeah, I have uh, Peter joining me this morning. He's uh, just sitting silently, very relaxed, looking in the background, a little half asleep because uh, we were up past midnight doing some observing last night. We did about a four and a half or a five hour session. So he just kind of crashed out and uh, which is always great and nice that people don't have to drive home the next day. And uh, Mike joined us as well, but uh, we'll get on to those in the next episode I uh, have a couple Patreon supporters to thank. Uh, yeah, who are we thanking this morning, uh, Shane? Or do you yeah, have them yet? Yeah, thank you for uh, the contributions, uh, Mike and Ian. You, uh, those are our newest Patreon supporters. And as always, uh, we thank all of our Patreon supporters. Mike and Ian, you will be in the draw for the uh, monocular telescope uh, that we'll be giving away. Um, because that, uh, that draw was for all of, uh, or what we did is we put all of the Patreon supporter names in a hat and, and did a random draw. Yeah. Thank you so much, uh, Mike and Ian for your, for your support, as Shane said. And I think as we were discussing Shane, we weren't sure how many of these Alistair has. So I'm going to, as a takeaway, I'm going to go back and check with him and see how many he he's made together. We know he has at least one cause he showed that to us. But as you reminded me, he he might have two or three of these things. So uh, we'll just keep giving them away each week until he runs out of them. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so they're, what they are is they're a cobbled together monocular telescope made out of a combination of old surplus camera lenses and some other items that Alistair Ling, who writes the basically what's up column uh, or the, the Sky This Month column in Astronomy Magazine, um, who's, who's a friend of ours, has uh has come up with as as a way of giving back uh, to the show. And he requested they go out to Patreon supporters, but it actually makes it a little bit easier on us for tracking people down, I think, when when we uh, give to a Patreon supporter because we, we already have some contact with that individual usually. Yeah, exactly. It is uh, it is easier for sure. All right. We uh, had an email there from Dom. Did you want to get rolling and, and read that sure. one? Or do we have any other catch Yeah. Things? Yeah, we'll uh, jump into Dom's email. So Dom wrote, hey, Chris and Shane, just wanted to catch up. I'm on episode 319 of the podcast, so I will be caught up soon. It will be a sad day when I don't have a backlog of episodes to listen to and will only get two a week. I guess I'll just have to start re-listening to episodes. On the Northern Stars You Should Know episode, uh, Dave had suggested going out for three minutes every night and picking out three stars to memorize. I took that advice to heart and I'm quickly learning the stars. I started with the summer triangle and I'm trying to remember uh, a fact for each star. Uh, Vega is the fifth brightest, Arcturus is around one magnitude, etc. cetera. Uh, another episode I just listened to was about beginner books with Jim. I was under the impression that turn left at Orion was redundant since I already own Nightwatch. I was stoked to hear that it's a good next step and I'm impatiently awaiting the arrival of a used copy I bought. On top of that, I have an eyepiece case and a two-inch Celestron UHC filter coming this week. The filter is apparently a rebranded uh, Bader Planetarium filter, according to Amazon comments. 
the main reason I'm sending y'all an email is because Shane had recently mentioned the suitcase observatory. And if you don't have a chair in the suitcase, you should check this out. So he sent us a link, Chris. I'm not sure if you had a chance to check I that did. out. Did yeah. you check it out? Oh, of course. Um, so it's a, it's a Amazon link and it's this chair. I don't know how to describe it. It's kind of a circular cone. I think it collapses. looks like a, it looks like a large plastic beer stein. Yeah, 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 you're right. And it, it, it kind of collapses into itself. Um, and it, it like, I think when it's fully collapsed, I, I forget the measurements, but it might be like an inch tall <laughs> and, uh, like maybe eight inches in diameter or something like that. I'm not sure. Uh, but it, it really, you know, packs away into almost nothing. And then you end up with a chair when it's deployed that I think is 18 inches tall. So, mm. you know, more of a stool, I guess, than a chair, but, you know, certainly something that, uh, could fit into, you know, a, a suitcase observatory or, you know, a, a small bag. So kind of a neat option. I didn't know these things existed. Did you, Chris? I, I'd never seen, it's not what I had in mind when he sent the link. I was thinking the link was going to be for one of those little fold up camping stools. It's like a piece of canvas, uh, on a bit of a tripod thing. Um, mm -hmm. this, this is not that this looks a lot more uh, solid than, than that would be. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, Dom goes on to say, uh, my friend Dave actually recommended it to me after I bought the Dobsonian from him and I love it. It is actually my only observing chair. The height is adjustable. It's sturdy as hell, weighs about one or two pounds and collapses down really small. Oh, here we go. 10 inches across and two and a half inches deep. So completely ignore my measurements earlier. <laughs> um, he says that I throw it in my backpack with my atlases, eyepieces and binoculars when I go observing but have also found it nice to bring camping or just to use around a fire. I hope the observatory is coming along, Chris. Last time we talked, it sounded like you were nearly there. Uh, wished I lived closer. I'd offer to help work on it for a chance to get a session in it. Uh, anyways, thanks again for all of the entertainment and education you guys have provided. Clear skies, Dom from Jersey. Thanks, Dom. It's a nice email. I might oh. just take him up on that offer because I feel like the progress has been pretty slow since he and I were chatting about it. You're, you're recruiting labor. <laughs> oh, yeah, just about. Yeah, Peter was up giving me some advice this morning and uh, we were looking at the. There's like a few things that need to be done. Need some sort of soffits on there because there's like a three, two or three inch gap between, uh, well, the underneath side of the overhang. And uh, yeah, I kind of need to seal in around like where the rails are and because the roof rolls off, right? It's a convertible. So how, yeah. how do you seal that in? There's a lot of openings and that kind of stuff that need to be uh, taken care of before we can uh, put the telescope mount in there. And then that's a whole different kettle of fish. So yeah, maybe, uh, maybe next year, unless, unless I do get a, 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 one of my neighbors did offer to help. And if, if I end up taking them up on that, but I, I do need my builder to do one more thing, this, uh, or two more things, I guess. And then, uh, and then, yeah, probably could, could get out operational. So we'll see. It's, it's a, we'll see kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, well, I think you kind of, you know, when this thing started, you weren't really sure when the, the, you know, completion date would be. So I guess, uh, you know, just keep plowing down that path. Yeah. My wife keeps reminding me, this is much more of an observatory than I had at this time last year. And as I was showing uh, the guys last night, and we'll talk a little bit about this in the next episode, it is operational. It's mm -hmm. it's a small building that has a roof that rolls off. I think it looks pretty good. And that part works 
that's a difficult part to get working just in itself. So check mark on the big structural thing. And then the other operational um, requirement is that the building needs to self-cool to stay at or very close to ambient temperature, uh, both throughout the day. And then, of, of course, as, as we close into the evening, you want it to be, basically be the same temperature inside the building as outside. And right now it's within, I would say, a degree and a half or like less than two degrees of that and we still have one more thing to do uh, to get it to to run rated right ambient. So we're within like a fraction of a degree, probably once it's actually set up and and running uh, of achieving that goal. And that was that that's a very difficult thing to achieve. So we've done the hard work. It's just he needs to put in basically just the the metal soffits on it. And yeah, that's just like regular construction work. It's not it's not anything observatory uh, specific. So we, mm-hmm. we've done all the hard work. We're just down to the the final strokes on it. Right on. Hopefully, yeah. uh, hopefully you can put a bow on it here soon. Yes, hopefully, hopefully. All right, we had a club observing report from uh, friend Michael there in Kitchener Waterloo. Actually, I, I belong to the Kitchener Waterloo Center. Um, you know, sort of a, a long story short is I was a member there when I lived in Ontario uh, way back in the day and still have lots of friends there as as shown by uh, a pile of them showing up. And we went out for beer and ribs back in May. And then when it came time to renew my membership in the RESC, they'd been joking when we did that, that I should just join their center and pay the extra dollar so that they would get that dollar. And so then I was like, yeah, I'll do that. And then actually I sent them a small donation. <laughs> so so they got more than that dollar. And uh, I just thought, oh, that'll be fun. And then it, it was neat because then, see, I get the invite and I know um, when people are presenting and I attended one of the presentations a couple of weeks ago that that Peter Bicure was uh, was delivering and that was a lot of fun. So it's it's kind of good to stay in touch with folks that way. All right, I'll read Michael's email though. They, they did a club observing session and Michael goes on to say, thanks for all the great podcast content. As usual, we had a group of nine club members out to the Dark Sky site, including two new members and four members new to the site. The site is a little hollow slash bowl with a bordle about 3.75, uh, which is actually about the same as my sky here. I think it's, it is very similar and I've observed in that spot. And so my site here is, is uh, virtually identical to theirs actually. For some reason, no one in the club had managed to get out there at all this summer until we went out last week for a brief observing session. And he took a look at things like Corona Australis and Sagittarius before the moon rose. And when I saw that last night was going to be clear, which was just, uh, I guess it would have been last weekend or about a week ago, I put a call out to get members interested in coming with me. And we ended up having quite a big star party for a weeknight. So I guess maybe it was uh, later on during the week. Uh, it was an amazingly clear night. The sky was flooded with stars and an amazing amount of detail and texture were visible in the Milky Way. And they looked at Messier 8, Messier 24, which is, well, M8 is the Lagoon Nebula. M24 is the small Sagittarius star cloud. They looked at M13, the globular cluster up in Hercules. M22, which is the big globular just up and to the left of Sagittarius, uh, top of the teapot. We actually looked at all these last night. They looked at M31, M33, and the North American Nebula. And he said, uh, we're all naked eye targets. And after it rose, Jupiter was annoyingly bright. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, I actually forgot some important equipment for my 12-inch telescope. So he had to do the uh, hour and a bit drive home and then back out to the site. Um, But he wasn't going to miss a great evening like that. So uh, 
Yeah, good on him for driving. I don't think I would have done that. I usually don't drive home. If I drive out observing, I got what I got. It might be a binocular session. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If I forget something, I might just borrow views from other people or just, yeah, use binoculars. Yeah. So the first object I put in the 12-inch was the chandelier cluster, which is NGC 6723, a globular cluster just on the border of Corona Australis and Sagittarius, of which I was the only one who observed it before. But you and I have both observed that chain because remember mm -hmm. that time I hunted it down, down in the grasslands? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right on the horizon. Right. Like literally, I think we were looking at some uh, sage in the in the bottom of the eyepiece and, and that globular cluster in the top. Yep. Michael goes on to say, we had an excellent view of the Vale Nebula, North American Nebula, and Ga Gamma Cygni Nebula, which is sometimes called the Butterfly Nebula. Uh, and they were using Trevor Chandler's, who's he's the uh, president of the uh, KW Center there. Uh, he had a night vision device, which gives an ultra low magnification of two magnification on the North American Impelica Nebula. And uh, he said they were also obvious targets in the 10 by 50 uh, binoculars. And they were shown some new people, those targets. And uh, one of them even found M39 for themselves, a little bit of self-discovery there. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, it is. They took a look at the Veil Network Nebula portion and spent some time in Pegasus hunting down the Deerlick group and Stefan's Quintent. I remember that time we went out just outside of the city and we're looking at Stefan's Quintent through your 12-inch when you still had it. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, that uh, that was kind of a special night. That's the first time I saw Stefan's Quintent and uh, it was it was neat. I enjoyed that. Michael goes on to say it was interesting to compare um, between observers how many of the faint companion galaxies could be seen next to uh, 7331 in the Deerlick group. I was able to catch four NGC components, um, but he says NGC 7337 was very tough. And then he goes on to say that Ellen, our resident comet hunter, was able to hunt down two comets and then used his uh, interstellarium uh, to catch a third as well. And people were, oh, I guess she was able to hunt down two components, sorry, not two comets. Um, and then she used the uh, interstellarium atlas to hunt uh, to find that third and goes on to say that people were very happy to see uh, Stefan's Quintend. But the view in the 12-inch isn't much to write home about. Not as good as the James Webb Space Telescope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i imagine that's fair the skies were very still so i was excited to do some planetary observing on saturn pulled out the pentax 3.5 millimeter for 428 magnification i guess it was pretty steady skies if you're able to do that no kidding wow yeah so they saw all those five moons uh, titan rhea tethys dione enceladus and mimus and hyperion as well and then uh, they were able to see some of the rings uh, clearly distinguishing between the a b c uh, rings uh, by their color and texture. And then uh, some people were able to see that crep ring there on the C division. And in moments of good seeing, they were able to see the angst division, which is out towards the end. I was just reading about angst division. Pretty cool. Right on. They then moved on to M31, M33, and treated to some nice views of OB associations and H2 regions in those. I actually did a sketch of M33 last night and got some of those H2 um, and OB associations uh, sketched down. And then he said, at this this point, his secondary dude over, took a look at Jupiter, saw some banding, and they packed it up and headed out at about 1.30 in the morning. So unfortunately, they were sort of put to a halt by the dude. He says, all in all, it was a very rewarding night, even though I did no sketching, which I'm a little bit disappointed because I always enjoy getting Michael's sketches. Um, he was just too busy sharing the views with others. And uh, 
still enjoys having clear memories of what they saw. Uh, says, I hope you guys are doing well and you've been able to get some observing in on your own. Cheers, Michael. So thanks so much for the report. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really nice report. And it sounds like an incredible night, uh, lots of objects, lots of people and just great conditions. Yeah. And Michael does a lot of the club organizing work at the KW center. So he's the one that sort of organizes some of the meetings and who's going to speak. And he usually does some mini presentations on the messy objects himself. And uh, he also does quite a bit of observing on his own. And I think he lives on like the 10th floor of an apartment building if I remember correctly. So he has to drag that 12 inch telescope uh, to the elevator and then down a lot of flights of stairs and then to the car and all that. So he's He's pretty committed to both uh, keeping his club going as well as uh, getting out and doing some observing. Wow. Yeah, that's some dedication uh, with a big telescope like that. Oof. Yeah. Do you want to read this? this? Is just a short email from Alejandro. Do you want to? Yeah, sure. It? Yeah. Um, so Alejandro says, hi, Chris and Shane, quick note to share this, uh, after listening to the podcast and your comments about Pentax eyepieces, I finally decided to get one that I found on cloudy nights. I got the Pentax XW seven millimeter and all I can say is, wow, it's truly great. And it's very comfortable to use. Additionally, I found a good deal on cloudy nights. I need to stop looking LOL. Uh, on its way to me is a Teleview Nagler 12 millimeter type two, which will be in theory, uh, my personal eyepiece lineup. Um, this is my current eyepiece lineup. The ones I mainly use. So an Explore Scientific 68 degree, 28 millimeter, which is a two inch eyepiece, uh, the Teleview 18.2 millimeter delight, which Chris, I've just heard nothing but great things about that eyepiece. Mm -hmm. I've never yeah, looked through it. Yeah. Magical, um, you know. I think that's the best of the delights. In fact, a lot of people just buy that eyepiece and use a variety of Barlow's with it from what I've read. Yeah. And a lot of Bino viewers um, end up with two of those in their Bino viewing collection too. They're, they Bino view well and just, uh, yeah, just a great eyepiece. Uh, next one on the list is the Teleview Nagler 12 millimeter type two, then the Pentax XW seven millimeter, and then an Astromania 58 degree five millimeter. Um, and then he just says, wishing you clear skies from Florida. Thanks. So thank you Alejandro for the email. And, uh, that's a really nice eyepiece lineup there. Um, you know, there's, <laughs> there's a lot of really, really nice glass that'll, uh, show him a lot of great views. I'm sure. Yeah. It's been a bit of a, a journey and we've kind of been on that journey with Alejandro. I know I've, uh, I've exchanged some emails. I think you've exchanged some emails with him as well. And just as he's gone through the process of, uh, of listening to the podcast. And then I, I always feel a little bit bad. I feel like we've separated him from some of his money over time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just on the, uh, the topic of Pentex eyepieces, the, we haven't heard, I, well, maybe you have Chris, but I haven't heard a lot about those two new XWs, the, um, what is it? The 23 and the, I can't 16 remember what, and 16 and a half. Yeah. I've read a little bit on cloudy nights, but, um, I haven't really heard any other reviews. Um, what about yourself, Chris? Oh, I was reading one about three or four weeks ago. I can't remember though. Um, generally favorable, generally not as usable as the other XWs uh, as mm. far as the eye relief is concerned. Mm. So in my mind, they, they probably should have called them something different because um, when we think of the XWs, we think of that really great eye relief and mm. then a reasonably wide field of view. These ones are 85 degree true field of view and apparently they have it and they work 
apparently pretty much the same as the other Pentax XWs, but without that long eye relief, uh, well, I'm out because I need to have long eye relief with my eyeglasses, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, that's similar to what I've read too, is that the eye relief just isn't the same. Uh, otherwise, a, a pretty good eyepiece by the sounds of it. We had another email. We had a couple of emails from people in the Netherlands. I, I don't think we ever had and I, I'm, I'm going to misspeak, but I don't think we've had two emails from the Netherlands in the same week before. And we did. <laughs> well, again, first time for everything, I guess. First time, yeah. Otto from the Netherlands wrote, hello, Chris and Shane. A few weeks ago, we had some days with uh, very orange sunsets here in the Netherlands due to the Canadian wildfires. The smoke had traveled more than 600 kilometers east. I'm happy to know it didn't affect you okay those ones didn't affect us but certainly we've been affected by the smoke um and then he goes this uh episode number 356 was a special interest to me as you reviewed the canon is 12 by 36 threes which i bought shortly before summer holidays and he goes on to say they give me the best binocular views ever uh at that time i was influenced by my earlier by an earlier episode in which you spoke of this great tool which is the is uh, uh the canon image stabilized binoculars so he ordered um the 12 by 36s and a case for it uh there's a case that's made and sold on amazon that's specifically for the 12 by 36s he goes on to say i was uh i just looked it up and though the price had gone up by 30 euros i saw at the same time that the canon had dropped by 200 euros so the case uh, had gone up but the binoculars had gone down i think i bought the binoculars and then the price went down as well so i think that's pretty common he says doesn't bother me since every euro spent on these optics is worth it all the best main thanks for the inspiring episodes greetings auto so that's pretty cool that we have one and then uh uric or juric i'm I'm definitely saying that wrong also from the netherlands he sent us uh the final email do you want to give that one a read shane Sure. Says, hey, Chris and Shane, first of all, thank you for making the podcast. I've only recently discovered it in May of this year, uh, but I'm well into the archives and listening to you guys on my commute to and from work. Awesome effort in making astronomy accessible to the public, uh, as I have consumed a lot of your content and only felt right to provide some in return. So thank you for that. We definitely appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, he goes on to say that I've been into astronomy since 2019, just after we bought our house at that, or at the time, I didn't know what a gem the house would prove to be astronomy wise, uh, having a roof terrace facing directly South, extending the view of the sky down to about five degrees above the horizon. Uh, much of the time I've spent doing astrophotography rather than visual observing. This is mostly due to my backyard, uh, sky being an estimated mortal six. So after having visually observed most of the showpiece objects visible from my roof terrace throughout the year, using my first telescope, which is an eight inch F4 Newtonian on an equatorial mount, uh, I did what a lot of beginners do and tried connecting a DSLR to the telescope. Uh, From that point on, my astrophotography took off. And for a long time, most of my clear nights were spent on astrophotography. Sometimes I would pick up the binoculars in a lawn chair and hunt for some clusters, globulars, and galaxies that the 10 by 50s could show uh, next to my rig, happily shooting away at some faint target on its own. Uh, I only really got back into visual observing when I found out that using the visual O2 or sorry, O3 filter, 
I could see much of the nebulae I'd captured using the dedicated astrophotography setup. So I got to work and seeing the Veil Nebula for the first time through the eyepiece rather than on my screen after taking many nights worth of imaging blew my mind. I was hooked again on visual observing, and nowadays, clear nights are spent about 50-50 between visual and astrophotography. I still own and use that first 8-inch f4, both for astrophotography as well as visual, but a little 2-inch uh, f5 space cat has joined the family since. When I get the chance on a night near new moon, I lug the whole uh, reflector rig out to a darker sky. This is about an hour away from where I live in the south of the Netherlands, at the, or sorry, at the northern edge of a national park in Belgium, just across the border, which is around Bordel 4. Uh, as I hear you gather observing reports, uh, or as I hear you gather observing reports and enjoy reading what your listeners observe, I thought I'd share some of my recent observations uh, take care and keep up the good work. So oh. thank you for that email. Uh, yeah. Great, great to hear that journey, you know, Chris, of uh, kind of beginning in the hobby, getting into some astrophotography, uh, but then really discovering, you know, I guess the power <laughs> of a uh, nebula filter and just how it can really change your visual experience. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. That's really good. S didn't put some of his observations in there, but uh, you know, we appreciate you sending those along. I think I did reply to them. And, uh, yeah, maybe we can read those on a future episode. I think we're getting, uh, close to our time and Shane, we have, uh, a draw to do. I don't know. I feel like I'm putting you on the spot here this morning because people should know I was observing, um, and setting up to observe last night and I forget to send Shane the show notes, so <laughs> that's on me, but I didn't yep. know. Were you able to get, uh, uh, a number picked or, or. Yep or yep. a series of numbers or a winner or how are we doing this? Yeah. So what, what I did is I took all of our Patreon supporters. Uh, they're all, all uh, each, each supporter is on a unique role within a, a spreadsheet. And then I ran a random number generator just to pick one of the rows, uh, as a winner. So the winner for Alistair Ling's, uh, monocular telescope, uh, giveaway is Gary Brooks. So Gary, we will be in touch with you just to get a mailing address and then Alistair will get this thing in the mail and on its way to you. So congratulations. And again, thank you for your support and thanks to all of our Patreon supporters. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks so much. Anything else to add to this, uh, listener observing report session, Shane? No, that is it, Chris. All right. Well, a little bit short show today. Uh, people need to understand that if uh, we are going to go out and do some observing, sometimes the shows might be a little shorter. <laughs> so, but that's good news. That's good news when uh, the smoke finally clears off and we're able to to get out. So appreciate uh, all the support uh, people send to us and uh, all the stuff people have been sending us in the mail these days. Uh, I think we even have some beer on the way in. So I'm pretty excited for that to arrive. <laughs> yeah i never say no to a beer so that that's exciting looking forward to that maybe, for sure i think it's going to shame maybe it's up by your pause there i'm starting to think maybe the beer has already arrived and <laughs> no I'll, I'll let you know though when it does okay. hopefully all there's right. some left for you yeah i'm sure there will be all right good stuff all right well thanks shane thanks everybody for listening please subscribe and do us a favor and share the show with other stargazers you know and you can always send us your ideas observations and questions to actualastronomy at gmail.com thank you everyone for listening and we hope you enjoyed the show if you are interested in more information would like to contact us or if you would like to support the podcast 
check out our website, actualastronomy.com. <music>